Hey, welcome to the Elijah Rising podcast. Elijah Rising is an organization empowering women recovering from sexual exploitation. This episode is gonna help you become more informed about the issue of sex trafficking and inspire you to take action. Welcome to the podcast, I'm Adam. Uh, and today I'm joined once again by Micah Gamboa, the executive director of Elijah Rising. Welcome back. Thank you for having me. I know you enjoy this so much. I do. <laughs> uh, as do we. Um, and so the reason why I asked Micah to join us on this second episode of the Elijah Rising podcast in the new year 2021 is because I thought it was probably a good time to talk about the history of Elijah Rising, hmm. where we came from, uh, how we came to be, and some of those, some of the major kind of turning point moments, maybe we mm -hmm. might say, um, in the nine plus years of Elijah Rising's existence. Yes. So um, considering the fact that there is only one other person on the staff currently who was with the organization earlier than yourself, I thought it, that's me. I'm talking about myself. Uh, <laughs> shameless plug. <laughs> shameless plug for Adam. Uh, I thought it'd be appropriate that the two of us sit down and have this conversation. So uh, let's just dive in. How did Elijah Rising get its start, Micah? Well, actually, you were here before I was, but y'all started in uh, the Source for Women yeah. uh, Crisis Pregnancy Assistance Center and just as a prayer meeting. Yeah, in their conference room. They had a really big, long conference table in this very strangely shaped room. It <laughs> uh, was like a big triangle. Yeah. Yeah, it was like an arrow. Or it something. really was an arrow. <laughs> but what's cool about that is the location was right in at that time what we called like the red light district mm -hmm. of Houston. Yeah, uh, right in like we we had a few names for it, fifty eight or six district and things like that. But it was right in the heart of it. So we started as a prayer meeting. Um, why do why is that significant? Why is it significant that we started as a prayer meeting? Yeah, I mean, we really started as just a ragtag group of people, for kids. Sure. Really, I mean, we were like twenty one. I don't yeah. know how old I was, but. Um, yeah. You know, just praying together, really interceding for this issue and for God to move. And so I think that's so pivotal and so foundational because it has been our DNA ever since then. Yeah, good you point. You know, and it's, and it's so critical, right? Everything that we do, I mean, we can honestly point back now and say, man, the Lord has been the initiator, the author, mm -hmm. and the finisher, and the provider of yeah. everything that we've done to date. Yeah. Yeah, and I think it's also important maybe to note that, like, even today, um, like, we start well, how do we start every morning, Micah? What do we do? Yeah, we have prayer every morning for 30, 40 minutes, whatever. We just let kind the of as the Lord lead. leads. Yeah, yeah, but we do. We start every day with prayer. And, you know, some days are are tougher than others. And some sure. days are like, wow, we just stepped into like the realm of glory. Yeah. <laughs> Those days do occur. Yeah. yeah so <laughs> you just never know. Um, yeah. And so I want, I, I remember, I specifically remember like that first kicked in the gut moment I mm -hmm. had when I found out that uh, sex trafficking was a thing yeah. and that Houston yeah. was like, had all this, you know, notoriety for being a big yeah. city with, you know, trafficking. And um, I literally remember saying to myself, like, what in the world can I possibly do? Mm. And then having this moment, it's like, well, I, I think the only thing I can do is possibly, like, just find other people who care and yeah. then pray about it. Yeah. Um, and that's really, mm -hmm. th that's legitimately what we did. Yeah. Um, and, and we've, you know, we continue to do that exact thing, as mm -hmm. you pointed out. So um, I wonder, so, so that went on for a little bit. I, I think with the podcast today, I think... I think what I want to do is just kind of go through time periods, mm -hmm. like the evolution of Elijah rising in three kind of major time periods. Mm -hmm. So the first is like 2010, because that's really when that prayer meeting started, like 2010 yeah. to 2011 ish. Right. Um, so we're praying mm -hmm. 
And we we did something else, though. We got in a van. Mm-hmm. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah. So um, y'all would get a rent a van at this time. And just like I think after the prayer meeting, I don't know if y'all even had a sign up at this point. No. Definitely no waivers. Let's just be clear. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, just hop in a van. Whoever hadn't seen the reality of what trafficking looked like in this city, hop in this van, drive them around. I think the the tour at that time was like two or three hours. Yeah, like two and a half, three hours. <laughs> it was yeah. intense. Yeah. Um, and so you got to see the entire city kind of landscape. But it was yeah. so pivotal, so impactful, so foundational to even what we do today. We still do those tours, you know, not when COVID is happening, of yeah. course, but yeah. um, still do those tours today because we have seen just the impact, the the emotional, the, the visceral impact that happens mm-hmm. whenever people see with their eyes, oh, wow, there are real people yeah. inside this building. And now I can put names to faces or I can put, um, yeah, like a, a, a location to an experience or yeah. a story. It's really impactful. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's important to continue doing. Um, you know, we've, we have taken over 11,000 people on that tour. Mm-hmm. And really, like the way that that started was our, our founder and former executive director, somebody said, like, I just can't imagine what you're talking about. And she said, well, mm. get in my car. <laughs> that she did. <laughs> and I will take you there right yeah. now. You know, and it was in the middle of the day. Of course, we did used to do tours at, you know, at night at different times. We would mm-hmm. get out of the van sometimes at certain locations, which we do not do that anymore. We will not do that anymore. Do not do that. But, you know, we were trying to mobilize an entire city. Yeah. Um, to yeah. to wake up uh, because yeah. in those days I feel like you know our primary mission was to pray mm-hmm. and to bring awareness to the issue. Yeah, um, and we did. Mm-hmm. I, th- I think we really did. Um, I think that's really important to note is that you know especially for those young organizations or maybe people who have feel compelled to this issue but yeah. maybe don't know where to start. Obviously, starting with prayer is a no brainer, and everyone says that. But like, get on your face, like Mm. spend the time, make the commitment, even get other people and don't get discouraged when other people fall off and you're still there holding the banner, you know, I think prayer. And then we just were loud and obnoxious and like whoever would listen, we were like, no, you are going to see this for yourself. And I think of like Wilberforce, how he like would almost like trick people into these kind of visitations or experiences where he would see the slave ships. It's like, we didn't really care what the, we didn't care about our ratings, so to speak. Oh yeah, no. We just wanted people to wake up. Well, we had nothing to lose in those days because we weren't really an organization, um, you know, officially, which we'll talk about that here in a second, but like it really was just the need to wake people up. Mm -hmm. And do you remember the letter writing we used to do? Oh, I remember the letter writing. We used to get every person who participated in any sort of activity with us to like we had a form letter uh, already drafted and we used to send like thousands thousands of letters to the mayor city city council representatives Um, Mm -hmm. again we don't do that anymore but I really do think that was effective that was a very effective now they have a human trafficking task force from the mayor's office I mean and I don't say that that's because of Elijah Rising but um we your voice to, makes a difference. Absolutely. It does. Yeah. 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 And those who are elected to lead you, no matter what you might think about that, uh, they do listen. They, they do. do listen. Now they might listen and ignore, <laughs> um, or they might listen and take action. Yeah. Which, uh, again, we've, we've seen, um, we've seen that happen. So I wonder uh, if we could briefly talk about one of the questions we get all the time is why are you called Elijah rising? Hmm. Um, 
do you, um, I know I could talk about this. I wonder if, if, wonder if you want to talk about it. I think I can. Yeah. So I'll, I'll kick it down the curb okay, a bit okay. and then you can take it from there. Um, you know, so we started as uh, Exodus Cry Houston Prayer Watch. So that's a mouthful. Yeah. We were a prayer watch, a prayer meeting um, birthed out of the, or like an offshoot of Exodus Cry, who's yeah. still in existence. Um, we revere them. They're an amazing organization. Uh, so they had the gracious, they were gracious enough to allow us to operate kind of under their banner, if right. you will, as a prayer meeting. And then we kind of did some other things that were not prayer meeting related yes. <laughs> and all good things, right? We did the yeah. awareness van tours. We yeah. started to do interventions, maybe yeah. jumping ahead a little bit, but, um, so that really initiated us into the process of like, we really need to become our own organization because yeah. we're doing things kind of outside the mission or extra mission related to, yeah. um, Exodus cry. So that's when we just started praying, brainstorming, whiteboarding, doing yeah. sessions like I'm sure many of you guys have, um, just like you would start a business. Like, who are we? What are we about? What's the, what's our DNA? And then what are we going to be called? Yeah. Yeah. And so I do remember a very specific moment of a whiteboard meeting in, in Becky Castle's office. Thank you. Um, if, if you know who Becky Castle is. Um, hi, Becky, if you're listening. So I remember being in her office on a brown leather couch with you and a number of other people in those days. Mm-hmm. And we had a whiteboard covered in words yeah. uh, and names. And, um, you know, uh, Elijah is this Old Testament prophet mm-hmm. in the Bible um, who kind of embodies this idea of, uh, of restoration yeah. of, of restoring, you know, there's all sorts of references to, to Elijah all over the Bible mm-hmm. in both the old Testament and the new Testament. And so we see Elijah confront, um, in his prophetic ministry, we see him confront kind of just the, the idolatry of his day, yeah. um, in his, in his community and the, uh, sexual perversion mm-hmm. of his day in his yes. community and the oppression of, the weak. Yeah. Um, and he really does call out kind of the political system as well as the religious system that was mm-hmm. perpetrating those types of injustices mm-hmm. in, in his community. Um, and he's successful in that. Um, it, there's struggle. Yeah. Yeah. He goes through a lot of struggle. Uh, we know that ultimately like Elijah, you know, ascends to heaven on a flaming chariot or something like that, you know, um, as best as the the Bible can depict <laughs> a moment that is kind of outside of our imagination. Um, but then, so, so Elijah kind of disappears off the scene as quickly as he appears. And then we see like this, a message about the spirit of Elijah yeah. show up in the new Testament mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. where, you know, John the Baptist comes in the spirit of Elijah who, and, and, He's paving the way forward, clearing a way forward for the Messiah, for Jesus to come and bring about uh, total restoration, the telos of, you know, humanity. And so Elijah does this, the spirit of Elijah Mm -hmm. does this thing in people to where they prepare the way for the restoration Mm -hmm. of Christ in the earth. Uh, as well as you know, turning the hearts of the of the parents, the fathers and the mothers, to the sons and the daughters, and yeah. so not just like restoration, restoration holistically. Isn't that interesting? Like that passage in Malachi seems so mm. ancillary to the ministry of Elijah the prophet. Like it seems yeah. so. What like where did that come from? But yeah. as you were talking, I'm just thinking like you clear out idolatry and perversion and you make a way for the restoration of the heart of family of relationship. Absolutely. And that's what we see in trafficking. So that's why it was so, one of the reasons it was so, you know, pivotal to us to kind of 
come back in the vein, right? Of the spirit of Elijah coming back to cover the widow, to cover the yeah. orphan, to cover the marginalized, to cover the oppressed, um, and to honestly rebuke the powers that be who Absolutely. are causing that oppression. Yeah, again, because that's exactly what Elijah does. Mm. And the spirit of Elijah, which is on the rise in generations to come, Amen. again, through the New Testament, we see this testimony, is doing just that, calling yeah. out those powers um, and standing in the gap for those who are experiencing oppression, uh, marginalization. Yeah. And again, I think it's critical when we have this conversation to always remember, like Elijah doesn't point to himself. Mm. John the Baptist never points to himself. Mm-hmm. Um, he points to the Messiah. Yeah. And so people ask, why are you so called Elijah good. rising? We believe that that same spirit of Elijah, those things that we've just discussed um, are present always through the spirit of God active in the world. Uh, but mm-hmm. we believe that that's on the rise yes, uh, in our own generation and for generations to come. And so that's why we have an arrow that points up. Um, Elijah rising. Love it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, real quick before the break, I want to ask, uh, when did we become a nonprofit, mm-hmm. a 50, an official 501c3, and why? Okay, in the end, technically, December 31st, 2012 is whenever we were incorporated by the IRS. Um, we were in that process for several months, mm-hmm. I think. Um, and why? Why did we need question? to become a 501c3? Right. Um, we we needed to become a 501c3 because we were uh, taking people on van tours. We were taking we were beginning interventions people at that gave point. Us money. People gave us money. We needed to be fiscally responsible, yeah. sound, all of those things, and we couldn't operate. We were outside the parameters of what a, a Exodus Cry was kind of covering us in. So right, right. we became our own. Um, we actually operated under another 501c3 for a little while, mm-hmm. which I think is actually a great. We've done that for other organizations, yeah. multiple other, as they were getting launched and burgeoning. Um, I think that's. That's a great option for anybody who is starting to find a parent organization who's willing hmm. to cover them. Yeah, that's great advice. Okay, we're going to take a break in the podcast. When we come back, we're going to talk about Elijah Rising from 2012 through 2015 and beyond. Four years ago, we started making candles in my kitchen because we had a dream to empower women recovering from sex trafficking. After years of growing, changing, and perfecting what we truly believe to be the perfect candle, we now sell goods across the country that empower women who are recovering from sex trafficking. And we want you to help us so that we can give more jobs to women that are in our program. Go to shop.elijahrising.org and you can see some of the most amazing goods you've ever tried, as well as empower the next woman to have a future after sex trafficking. And we have a special code for all of our podcast listeners. Just use the code podcast when you check out for a special discount. Welcome back, um, Micah. So let's think about the next kind of uh, time period. The epic. uh, The epic, yes. (laughs) Love it. uh, Of Elijah Rising. So this is kind of the middle period. Mm -hmm. Okay. So like around 2000. Like awkward awkward preteens at this point. Man, that's totally. such a good, yeah, that's the analogy. <laughs> I love this. Uh, so like like uh, mid-2012 to about 2015, yeah. uh, what's going on in Elijah Rising in that period of time? Okay, so we we <laughs> we were awkward. We were, <laughs> we were, we were passionate. We had yeah. we were starting to gather, like people were starting to come to the, yeah. not just the prayer meetings, but to the interventions. We would have human trafficking 101 classes and all these different types of teaching. Tons messages. of millennials. Yes, Tons, tons. of millennials just started coming out of the woodworks so He's, many so a not a lot HBU. of funding but a lot of heart yeah well um, and people who would go out at midnight <laughs> so that was important you know yeah it was a, a 
formative time to be sure. And so we started gaining a little bit of, of notoriety or reputation in the city um, because of the van tours, I think specifically. Sure, yeah, um, right, tons right. of people, thousands of people at this point were coming on those tours. Um, and so we, it was, it was an interesting season because we kept getting these kind of divine or sovereign interactions mm. with brothel, not brothel owners, but the landlords of the brothel right. kind of complexes or the strip centers who wanted those, those, you know, b- business, yeah, tenants yeah. to be ev- evicted, but we're a little scared to do it. Yeah. Um, and so we had these run-ins or we kind of helped evict um, some of these brothels, helped shut them down. We had the, also the, 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 uh, other honor or opportunity to reach the women inside through right. this process, which was really amazing. Um, so we're doing interventions, we're doing prayer. Uh, we are helping shut down these places. And then we end up with this opportunity to help shut down one of the most kind of landmark yeah. locations that was on our van tour route, really right. close to where we started as a prayer meeting. It had prophetic significance to us through what we felt like the Lord um, and others had spoken into us over the years. And so we worked with the landowner um, to shut down that brothel. And it was a very long story that could be its own podcast, um, which we will go into. Um, But through a a chain of events, we ended up leasing that facility and essentially flipping the brothel into our headquarters. Yeah. Which is, let's just say, I mean, we could talk about the difficulty of that and like how there there were some negatives there, but that's really cool. (laughs) It was really cool, especially at the time. We were pretty psyched about it. Yeah. I mean, like (laughs) we not only helped to shut it down, but then we took it over and redeemed the space and put an anti-trafficking agency in the spot where people Mm -hmm. were being trafficked. And a massive billboard that was on the freeway of Houston that that had the the hotline number. So at this point, at the same time, we had been doing interventions um, where we would give out our own number. It's like a Google talk number that went to our cell phone. So I remember. (laughs) Great and terrible. (laughs) Um, But, you know, no one else was doing it. There wasn't a hotline number. The, The national hotline was not working well, really it, it moved really slow right and we were like well what if we just set up a google number and we can move same hour yeah exactly yeah. exactly and so that's what we did we um we started it we started bringing women into our home we started exiting women at i wouldn't say rapid i mean now it's much more rapid but at that point it felt very oh, yeah. rapid like I don't know how many women we helped exit just ourselves, not really knowing what we were doing. And then, um, at that point, uh, ex law enforcement, ex military, ex, um, yeah, law enforcement, military kind of heard about us, yeah. this couple of guys, and they came down, flew all the way down from California to come and train us. Yep. We're like, you need help. Yeah. They said, yes, we do. You're being very <laughs> reckless. Yeah. 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 And so they trained us, which was, it was, a, that was also a very pivotal moment because mm-hmm. we completely revamped how we did interventions and it was perfect timing because, you know, we probably had like 10, 20, 30, maybe on a good night. And yeah. then our, our interventions blew up. Yeah. Um, sometimes we would have like a hundred people in this little tiny ex brothel and they couldn't all fit. They couldn't all anyway. So, um, we just kept growing and growing and growing and the movement of people I felt like in the city was really taking shape yeah. and, and our voice was really kind of uh, we were kind of maturing a little bit yeah. in our voice and in our messaging of what we were doing. And so, um, the helping shut down all those brothels as well, um, not only gave us just real, real time experience, but it also allowed us to pull out artifacts and items from these locations. And so we had all these 
artifacts essentially from uh, these real-time brothels. And so we said, well, why don't we use some of the space that's in our former brothel, now headquarters, um, to just start a little walkthrough museum that people can experience the reality. So it's all about taking something from a head knowledge or a presentation or a Mm. brochure into what is real-time you know, the same thing with the van tours, the same principle with the museum. How can we make this an experience that people can't turn away from? Yeah. Or can really grasp mm-hmm. because I mean, we can talk all day long, but until you see, yeah, until there is a measure of experience. And I remember when you were building it out. So Micah curated the, the, the museum. And I, I remember personally, one of the exhibits in that first iteration of the museum being set up like a brothel, uh, room like a mm-hmm. room in a brothel and mm-hmm. like walking into it it was just like this perfect combination of like you knew you were standing in a former brothel right and then you get you did such a great recreation of what that room would feel mm-hmm. like to somebody who was being oppressed in it who was being exploited and you walk into this space and it's like this is heart-wrenching yeah. it's gross mm-hmm. it's terrifying it's all these things at yeah. once um, and I think, again, that was a moment where we created a space for the public at large mm-hmm. to be, to see, yeah. to feel, to yeah. be impacted. And the, and the, and to then say, if you want to do something about it, here are some other programs that are running as well. Yeah. But I want you to take a second and talk a little bit more about the museum because it wasn't just uh, the the exhibits you built in the museum weren't just about what was happening in Houston. Mm-hmm. You started the story earlier than that. Mm-hmm. So what, what tell us yes. about that. I, so this was kind of in the formative, this was probably 2012, um, formative time for interventions yeah. as well. Uh, no plan to open up a museum at this point, but I stumbled upon some stories of the Salvation Army doing intervention work in sex trafficking, within the issue of sex trafficking, like the turn of the century. Yeah. And the way that they did it was like us. Mm-hmm. I mean, and, and I don't, I'm not exalting it. Not like that. Just, they were bold. They were fearless. They were yeah. a little bit reckless. <laughs> they were a little bit. You saw a lot of similarities. Yeah, I did. Yeah. I felt that spirit and man, they're, they just didn't, they were like, yeah, we send out women on the streets and Jesus would send out women. You know, they were just like unapologetic. Right. And I was like, man, that is freaking awesome (laughs) but it sparked something in me um and it it uh, cracked open this door Hmm. to find all of these little rabbit trails that i never knew existed i didn't know and what i found was not just the salvation army but there were um dozens of of anti-sex trafficking abolitionists at the turn of the century that were making inroads into legislation. Mm. They were making these um, pioneering new methods of intervention um, and pioneering the safe home model. Yeah, I had no clue. And these people were heroes, in my opinion. They were heroes of the faith. They were men and women of prayer and fasting. They saw God do amazing exploits. And so I wanted to capture their stories, you know, in an abbreviated form, because what I felt like the Lord told me, I really felt like Jesus said, like, uh, the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. prophecy yeah. And so when you share these stories of the normal average believer, yeah. other people will follow and I will do it again. Yeah. And so I really wanted to capture that experience, yeah. um, along with the realities of what was still happening in our city and yeah. merge those together. Yeah. It's so cool. Um, and so then we took that a step further uh, in, I don't remember the first, the, we did something called, I remember. Okay. Look, 
there was a day I was sitting in uh, 5818 in in our brothel headquarters, uh, uh, ex-brothel headquarters. And I said, we were in a prayer meeting and I said, what if, hmm, what if we just like had a three-day conference where we invited other people in this space to come and speak and teach us? Mm Mm-hmm. And uh, our former executive director and founder was like, great, make it happen. And I was like, whoa, 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 hold on, hold on, hold on. (laughs) And uh, I said, Micah, can you help me make this happen? (laughs) And uh, so we started uh, the Elijah Rising Justice Summit Mm -hmm. at about the same time as Mm -hmm. launching that you were kind of digging out these wells of the history of abolition. Um, And those two things kind of started running concurrently. And then we did these conferences for three or four years. You want to say anything about that? I I I feel like that was a catalyst moment for us. That was, you know, I will say this. Um, We, our first one, I remember we had this big church, Mm -hmm. pretty, pretty large church. um, And we were, it was like, six o'clock, six Oh five. And there were like eight people. And yeah. I was like, Oh my You're God. Like, oh, we this failed. Is so bad. We failed. <laughs> and I walked outside to the front door and I saw this massive line because whatever we had done and check it, I, you know, I love detail. And so I probably over like <laughs> detail, have everyone sign there, you know, whatever it was, the sign in process did not work. And so I was like, just forget it. Like, let them in, let them in. Yeah. Like, let's start. But it was terrifying. Right. It was, oh, yeah. it was great and terrible, but um, yeah. no, those were, those were catalyst moments. And I'll, even this, like there are people who ran a booth for us, who volunteered at that thing, who are now working for us, yeah. who are now leading programs, yeah. who are now leading New organizations. their own organizations. Yeah. And so, um, again, not that we did that, but I, I, I feel like it was, um, just an opportunity for the city. We wanted yeah. to make a platform for the city, um, in a real way to learn, to grow, to get ignited, you yeah. know? Yeah. And so, yeah. The first coffee we served at those conferences, uh, was our friend Erica was like, I want to start this coffee shop. Oh, I have an right. idea. So a second cup did a pop-up, yeah, you know did. what I mean? And now anyways, so there's so many cool moments like that that came out of those conferences. Yeah. And, and I think really helped Elijah Rising get a, a little bit on the national kind of landscape, mm-hmm. um, at least in terms of our notoriety with other with other anti-trafficking organizations. So let's kind of fast forward a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, let's kind of jump into the third time period of our epic that we're uh, giving, <laughs> that we're telling today. So let's think 2015 okay. to, to current, sure. or let's say 2020. Mm-hmm. So what were kind of some of the biggest landmark moments over the past five years? Yeah, big ones, huge. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, I feel like it's, this whole process has been like a, um, like a snowball that just yeah. keeps growing and you're yeah. like, I, I'm not in control of this, you yeah. know? Um, yeah. and so 2015 at this point we had helped, helped to launch another organization called rescue America, which was that hotline that we mentioned earlier. So they were a few years in to this mm-hmm. pro- couple years in. And what we noticed is that their numbers of exits. So exiting women, just kept growing and growing. And I mean like exponentially, yeah, crazy not, growth. yeah. And so it was like 50, 150. It was like, Oh no. <laughs> and yeah. then more and more. And so we realized pretty quickly that we were outstripping the bed space in Houston. And so yeah. we started praying. We started interceding for months. Like, God, would you raise up more beds? Would you raise up safe homes in the city? Cause we only had what eight at that point. And so since then, um, 
you know, the city of Houston has launched like emergency uh, bed space. There's right. been a couple more um, organizations pop up on the landscape. And again, in this five year period, which has been amazing. Um, but we never intended to be fill that gap. Like right. we were like, we're too out there. We're right. too, we're doing interventions. That's not our lane. Um, but the Lord really through another whole crazy story, um, really dropped Which there, a, there. There is a, sorry to interrupt. There good. is another podcast episode on how we got into Perfect. restorative care. Um, it is a crazy story. There's a whole episode about it. Let's go ahead. Perfect. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, we, we dropped, uh, the Lord really, uh, dropped that property in our lap, yeah. which is now the Elijah rising restoration campus. Yeah. And so we, we took the leap of major leap of faith to start doing yes. restoration or safe homes. Yeah. And social enterprise. That's right. Oh my gosh. 2007, actually 17, yeah. 2017, we launched a social enterprise because we also noticed it's not just bed space. It's not just housing. It's not just therapy. Women need, which is, seems obvious, right? <laughs> you need education. You need occupational skills right. to go back and enter the workforce. You can't just leave them with no, n- neither one of those. And so we started a social enterprise literally in almost a closet, like yeah. a spare bedroom or something. Yeah. <laughs> and so it was very small. We had one woman working there. Um, and I don't remember, we, we, uh, we it was very modest income. Yeah. Right. Um, but that was the beginning and year over year, we've seen again, growth and growth and growth, which is just a gift from the Lord. And so, um, right now we have three women who are in our employment. We are hoping to expand that this year, planning to expand that this right. year to, to right. six. Um, and so it, yeah, that was a that was a major milestone, and we've grown a lot since then. I mean, our practices, our yeah. quality, all of those things. But um, we just, I think, one of our mottos has been like, just, just do, just, just do start, it. Just do and it. you can <laughs> fix it later. Yeah, <laughs> which we are continually fixing and improving stuff. Absolutely. But, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, just start. You don't have to be. There's yeah. no what what what's the worst that could happen? Like you fail. Yeah. You try I mean, again. Yeah, I mean, that's the beauty of. <laughs> you know, iterating and innovating and iterating is like, you just have an idea, you make it happen. And you're like, well, I didn't work. So let's. And actually our social enterprise came from a failed business enterprise. That's right. And so that was like this, they're like, well, this exact thing didn't work, but let's re reformulate it and then give it as a gift to Elijah Rice. And there is another podcast episode from 2020 where we uh, discuss how we got into social enterprise. Sam kind of tells that story of its, of its origin and, um, and where she hopes that it goes in the future. Um, But another significant thing happened, I think in 2017 or 2018. So this was during the period that I wasn't around the organization, Mm -hmm. Uh, but there was um, a leadership change Mm -hmm. and uh, we got a new executive director. Who was that? Um, Yours truly. (laughs) (laughs) So I was, I was, I've been with the organization since, since inception, much like you have. Um, and I was doing operations, so I right. was administrative support, and I was completely satisfied, happy, very happy to be in the not in the limelight, right. <laughs> in the right. shadows. Um, we had a change in leadership, so our founder, um, Kat French, yeah. was amazing. She really was the catalyst for making this movement. I think in Houston, take off. She I was mean, catalyst in my life yeah. to care about the issue. Hundred percent, hundred percent. And so we just kept growing, and I was a little bit thrust into this position, uh, a little bit of a suddenly, uh, a little bit against my will, <laughs> quite honestly. Praise God. Um, <laughs> but, you know, it, it was good for me. It was like it was the thing that I would not have stepped into on my own, yeah. and someone pushed me into it. And so now I'm really, really – I mean, I love 
obviously Elijah Rising, I love this job. I love what I do. Yeah. I love what we get to learn on a daily and a weekly basis. And so um, it's been a really challenging and very fulfilling experience. Yeah. But at the same time, so like you have, you have um, leadership change, mm-hmm. you step into a new role, you have two new major programs, a restoration right. campus. So now you own tons of property mm-hmm. and you're running like a business, mm-hmm. social enterprise, yeah. not to mention all the other stuff, the prayer meetings, the van tours, you're mobilizing the city, you're doing intervention. And so it feels like that was a catalyst catalyst moment as well when you stepped into that position because things in terms of organizational structure, mm-hmm. efficiency, um, and other things like just fiscal responsibility mm-hmm. and transparency. It's not like things were crazy, but like- yeah. It feels like we stepped into a new level of maturity. If the, if the past season was the the adolescent stage, mm-hmm. it feels like when you when you came on and you started making some hires and some organizational decisions, we we matured into adulthood. Maybe or are we still children? I don't know. <laughs> I guess only time will tell. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for that. That's very gracious and kind. I that. I love order. I love administration. I have a natural, like I've started businesses before. So while I definitely have a lot to learn, um, that's kind of my natural inclination anyway. And so I feel like we need, you need, and I've seen this in other organizations too, where you need a founder who's like a bold and fearless and Mm. kick down the doors. Um, But it is, is kind of common knowledge that like usually founders don't, kind of lead the organization into into you yeah, know next, next seasons, seasons yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. and maybe that's true for me in the next season I don't know if there's another sure. you know iteration but um it's an honor to serve kind of in this capacity at this time yeah yeah well we appreciate you uh, last question I have for you um running short on time here is what do you think um what do you think has contributed if you could pick one or maybe two things what do you think has contributed to the long-term growth of Elijah Rising? Mm-hmm. And when you think about those two things, um, are those things that will continue to contribute to the long-term growth of Elijah Rising? Mm, okay. I can think of a couple things. I'll try yeah. to make this short. I I think that our, there's, there's a real sense of perseverance and diligence mm. um, within our team. Yeah. Um, we have been through a lot of hard things. Yeah, of we didn't really things. tell the story of all the no, hard things. We, we talked about all the good things. So, yeah. <laughs> There's been a, really a lot of setbacks, a lot of difficulty, um, a lot of spiritual, emotional, and physical challenges. Sure. So I think just that perseverance to press through those hard times is, is one major factor. I think something that the Lord um, kind of spoke to me as I stepped into this role is that there is a gift of faith here mm. too. And, and it's not, it's not intrinsic. I mean, yeah. it is intrinsic, but it's just not, it doesn't naturally come. You have to be Step intentional about that. Yeah. And so I was very intentional about the um, people I hired mm-hmm. having a bent of faith, having a bent of positivity um, and, I could, I could speak a lot about that, but I think that that's critical. You, you know, so faith, diligence, perseverance, um, and then just our willingness to be real, authentic, transparent, press in in prayer and be vulnerable. Um, and so why it's like, well, that does, how does that fit? You know, but we have our, each other's backs as a team. Um, we know that when one's down, we rally around. And so having that gift of like, teamwork morale like we are in this together and we're going to problem solve so uh, that's another thing is our team doesn't bring problems to the table and complain and you know whatever moan and all that stuff they bring solutions we think about solutions as a team holistically and so i think some of those factors and then 
you know, a little bit of willingness to like shake up the status quo yeah. a little bit. Yeah. We're like, okay with that. Yeah. We don't really care about our reputation too much. Yeah. You know, we care about truth and justice. Yep. So. Yeah. Well, I appreciate you sharing all that. Um, and if you've been listening today and you're like, wow, that's what a cool story. Um, I just encourage you to go to our website. There's kind of more details to all those things and subscribe to the podcast. I mean, one of the things we want to do with this podcast is not just, um, not just talk about the different facets of how to fight trafficking, but to really just talk about the story of what God is doing and mm-hmm. what um, God's people are doing yeah. to to combat trafficking, uh, not just here in Houston, but everywhere. Um, and so those kind of some of the ideas behind why we wanted to do this episode. Hey, thanks for listening to this episode of the Elijah Rising podcast. If you found any value in this content today, we ask that you would help further our work first by rating and reviewing the podcast. As well, we ask that you consider making a donation to Elijah Rising, and you can do that right now at ElijahRising.org. Also, we'd love it if you would take a screenshot of yourself listening to the podcast and tag us on social media. We'll share it, and we'll see you on the next episode of the Elijah Rising podcast.